Hallelujah. Well, I was praying tonight. I felt like God wanted to do something for somebody in this service tonight. Hallelujah. Praise God. It's always God's will for somebody to get the Holy Ghost. Praise God. And I want to see somebody receive the Holy Ghost before we leave this church today. Hallelujah. Praise God. If you got Hebrews chapter 10, say amen. All right. We're going to read. We're going to start with verse 34. And it says, For ye had compassion of me and my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Hallelujah. The verse I want to focus on tonight and take my text, my title from, would be verse number 35. It says, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. My title tonight is Cast Not Your Confidence. Hallelujah. If you could lay your Bibles down, I need the hand of God to rest upon me. And I need the hand of God to rest upon each and every one of us. Oh, Lord. God, we need you. Oh, let's give him a hand clap of praise tonight. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Glory to your name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise you. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Well, we can always look on the bright side of things and come to the realization that we most likely will be getting out pretty early. But on into the Word of God, I got to studying on this passage of Scripture, and in fact, the last time I preached and the Holy Ghost took control and God moved in here in a mighty way, this is exactly what I was going to preach, but God saw fit not for me to preach it that night, but for him to preach it evidently tonight. But uh, While I was studying again tonight, I got to looking at David, and uh those of you who've heard me preach from the beginning, you know I I can't get away from David. David's probably my favorite Bible character. Because it always seems that no matter what happens in life, you can always look to David, and there's something that's happened in his life. 
that we can look back to and we can, we can apply ourselves. But uh, in 2 Samuel chapter 16, and I started in verse 5, but King David was going through the kingdoms, as a king does, going town to town, city to city, and uh, he came to this one town, and the town's name was Behurim. And uh, when they showed up at that town, uh, I thought it was ironic because as, as great as a man David was, out there in Behurim, a man whose name was Shimei came out and began cursing David. And I, I don't have to go into detail. We all know what cursing is. We've all probably been cursed in our lives. It might not have even been very long back in the past. But uh, not only was he cursing David, he was uh, throwing stones at him. He was being very disrespectful. And uh, I got to reading it, and, I, it, and I, as I read it, and I kept looking at what the guy was doing. It was making me mad. And I could only imagine how David was feeling. I mean, put yourself in David's shoes. If somebody, if you drove up, you drove down the street, and all of a sudden this guy starts throwing rocks at you and starts calling you all kinds of names, every name that is under the sun, I mean, you can't tell me you wouldn't at least think. All right, come on, dude. Who do you think you are? Am I not right? Not only that, but the mental play that went on in David's mind that day. Is this, what this man's saying, is it really true? I mean, my goodness, you know, I never saw myself in that light, but man, is it really true? You know, it, it had to be one of the worst days for David as king, you know, you're king, you're the highest man out there, and all of a sudden this guy comes out and starts cursing you. There arose a man named Abishai. He said, uh, why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? You know, he's, he's voicing everything everybody's thinking. Why in the world should we let this guy dog you, king? He ain't nothing. You know, let me go over there and let me just take his head off. That's what he said. You know, tell you the truth, if I ever hear somebody talking to my, about my pastor like that, you're going to have to hogtie me to keep me from going over there and slitting her head off. But David looked at him. He said, Abishai, no, I'm not going to let you. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I'm sorry if that offends anybody, but David looked at Abishai. He goes, Abishai, no, you know what? As bad as it hurts and as bad as things look, he said, no, I'm not going to let you do that. 
fact, what David said, he said, Behold, my son, which came forth out of my bowels. He's talking about his son, actually. He said, My son that came out of my bowels seeketh my life. How much more now may this Benjamite do it? You know, David got to looking back. He said, You know, even my own son's trying to kill me right now. And my problem seems just to get bigger, you know. I'm here. My son's trying to kill me. Now this man's cursing me. I mean, how, worse can, how much worse can it get, you know? But he said, It may be that the Lord will look on mine affliction and that the Lord will requite me good for his cursing this day. He said, You know, Abishai, you know, God sees everything I'm going through. God knows exactly where I'm at. And maybe, just maybe, Abishai, this is for my own good. You know, sometimes you get to looking back over your life and you get to thinking about how things are going, how things are transpiring. Seems like things can't get any worse. How many has been there? I'm not just here to have an old pity party. I'm going somewhere with this, so I'm, I'm, I know it's kind of dead right now, but maybe we'll get it a little lively again. But we get to looking back over our life and we're like, God, you know, we've done all the things we know that's right. And, you know, God, we've, we don't understand. We've paid, you know, we've, we've been faithful at our ties. Why are we struggling financially? We're, we're faithful in our attendance to church, God. Why are we struggling physically? But, you know, and it's been preached over and over. And I know and I believe the tide has changed. But, but still that the tide has changed. It's not all the way back at high tide. And you get to sitting down and you get to looking back and you get to saying, God, the tide changed. I'm in it. I thought everything else was going to change. God said, no, it don't work that way. Just like the elder said the other night, it's going to take just as long for things to get back like they need to be as it did for them to get as worse as they are. But some of us just don't seem to get that. It just, it, it's uncomprehensible to us. You know, in this day and age, we got microwaves. Within two minutes, you got your food, your dinner's ready. God doesn't work that way. One day is as a, a thousand years to God. I mean, there's no difference. There's no comparison. God doesn't operate on time. And David realizes that. And he said, God, this doesn't seem like good timing. You know, if things were going good and this guy came out and he started 
calling me all kinds of names and throwing rocks at me and being disrespectful to me. He said, this would have been a lot easier to take, God. But God didn't see it that way. God said, I want to I want to pull you down a little bit more, David. And that's what God has done to some most of us, if not all of us in this assembly tonight. You know, and that the night that I preached, I talked about Nehemiah. I'm not going to cover all that again. That was a majority of my message. But you know, Nehemiah got this vision. And he looked down at Jerusalem and he and he saw his home was torn apart. All the walls were on the ground. And he said, you know what? It's time to go back home and it's time to rebuild the walls. But the devil didn't like that. Most of us know this story. And I kind of feel redundant, but like I said, I'm, I'm building a foundation here to get where I want to go. You know, we got, they got Sanballat and Tobiah, and they, every, every time they turn around, Sanballat and Tobiah is throwing something at them. Ah, you can't get this done, Nehemiah. There ain't no way you can get this wall built. And, you know, even if you do build the wall, it's going to fall down even if a, rock, if a fox runs up on it. And then he started playing mind games with Nehemiah. He started saying, Nehemiah, you know the king that gave you all the resources to get this wall built is now thinking you're going to plan a revolt against me. And you know the king's starting to call all the other kingdoms around him and get them on his side. And they're going to attack you. Nehemiah Sent another back to him, said, no, send ballot, you just pull my leg. There ain't nothing like that's going to happen. But that's what the devil does to us, you know. It's time for us to rebuild our walls. But the devil's going to come at us on every side. It's, it's time that we realize... Yeah, it's time to rebuild, but we've got to stay focused on the battle that's at hand. There's still a battle raging, church. It's not going to go away easy. It's not going to ever go away until we reach the other side. So it's time that we pick up a trowel in one hand and we pick up a sword in the other, and it's time that we work. And if the enemy comes on us, we fight them all, and we go back to work. And when the enemy comes again, we fight him all. We go back to work. Same old thing every time. But the devil's biggest deal is distraction. He's got distraction down to an art. I mean, he's been doing it since Adam and Eve. He distracted them with the apple, pulled them aside, said, oh, God didn't really mean what he said. You ain't really going to die. They got their eyes off the, off the main course. He still uses the same old tactics today, church. Ain't nothing new under the sun when it comes to the devil. 
And uh, this time we have babies. I said this time we have babies in this church. We've had preaching, we've had we had sermons, and I'm not getting on the church. I'm I'm talking to myself too. We've had preaching, we've had all kinds of sermons getting us ready. And when the tide turned the other night, when I felt that tide turn, God was saying, "It's all right, church. It's time to have some babies. There ain't no waiting around anymore. It's time we have some babies in this church. The mom's ready." The bride's ready to have some babies. Let's, let's, let's get out there and we need to reach out for some souls. Because God has called us into the field. And I believe we've all accepted that call. But we've all acknowledged it's time for us to have babies. But Hebrews 11 and 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are, not, which are seen were not made of the things which do appear. You see, God's promised us many things. And it, it takes faith for those things to happen. We all agree on that? Faith is essential for revival. Faith is essential to reach out to the lost. But yet we have faith. God's still waiting on us to work. I'm going to jump back a little bit before I jump on all this faith and work stuff. I'm going to jump back into the little problem there that we have. I was I was researching on. I got to sitting down before service tonight, and I, this is. I looked at verse 35 of chapter 10. It says, cast not away, therefore, your confidence. I got to thinking. I said, God, what confidence is he talking about? Anybody know what confidence he was talking about? I got to looking back in this chapter. And in fact, I got a Thompson chain here. I kind of referred back into the notes and you have to look, and it said uh, on the side here, it said holy boldness. So what, what, what are they talking about, holy boldness? So I got to looking, and what they were referring to with this holy boldness goes back to verse 19 of chapter 10. But before I cover that, I want to go back a little bit. You know, Paul in this chapter is kind of talking about the transition from the law to Christ. From the old things of the past, such as sacrifices and, and things of such. And he's, and he's explaining to the Hebrews, look, that lamb that you've been looking for, that spotless lamb, he's come. And he's hung on the tree. And there will be no more sacrifice because the lamb has been sacrificed. And after he said all this, he gets down to verse 19 and he goes, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. 
And when I read that passage of scripture, I went back to that message Pastor taught about being a royal priesthood. Church, do you realize what a promise we have? It doesn't matter what things arise. It doesn't matter how hard things seem to get. It doesn't matter what the devil may throw you away. It doesn't matter what families may rise up against you. When you look at this verse in verse 35, it says, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. That confidence is in the holy boldness. That confidence is in the boldness of knowing that we can enter. We have access to. We can go to the holiest place. That place where that, that, that veil was rent when Christ was, was crucified. That place that was open to us that no man could go to before. That place where God abides. Don't you realize what a promise that is? And access to the holiest place through the blood of Jesus. Meaning, you can go in that place every time it seems like the world's upside down. Every time things seem to come against you. Seems like every time you turn around, there's something else. You can find you a place. You have access to the holiest place. I don't know about you, but that excites me. I don't know about you, but I, I don't know what to do with myself when I sit, sit down and think, Dear God, that place where you abide, that place where, where your, your Shekinah, where, where your, your comforting glory, where, 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 where the blood opened for me to access Jesus Christ. Oh, can we thank you for it tonight? Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, we love you, sweet Lamb of God. Hallelujah, sweet Jesus. Glory to your name. Glory to your name, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus. So what I'm saying, the apostle's saying here in chapter 10 is don't get so focused on your distraction of your life that you lose sight of the kingdom. That's not what God allowed those circumstances in your life for. All those circumstances are are just a refinery to bring out the true gold in your life. God's, God didn't put you through those things to destroy you. you. You look back at Job. God didn't put him through those things to destroy him. He just put him through just to prove him. Just to prove him. Satan said, God, you realize Job over there, you won't even let me touch him. He goes, oh, go ahead. He'll still serve me. That's what's God, what God's doing with you. In your life. 
the devil said, you know, if you just let me mess with their money a little bit, I'll give them to curse you and they'll walk off on you. He's gone back. He said, you know, if I, if I, if I make them ill and if I make them close to death, they're going to they're gonna walk out on you. I'll tell you what, this, this little preacher right here, he ain't, he ain't walking out on God no matter what the devil brings to him. I don't care what it may be. It may be sickness. It may be finances. I could wake up tomorrow and not have a dime to my name. But this old boy is going to serve God. You see, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. <laughs> Seems like I heard that just the other night. Must believe that he is. We have a problem believing he is. But he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He has special rewards for those of us that press on and press toward the mark. Hallelujah. You know, even with that, if you don't put any actions with your faith, nothing's going to happen. I'm not up here saying, yeah, I just believe God. He's going to work it all out, and you don't have to do anything. Just sit back and watch him. That's not what I'm saying at all. Then you've got to put a little action to it. You've got to make God believe that you really want it. That you really want that victory in your life. That you really want to go that second mile with him. Hallelujah. It says in James chapter 2 verse 22, seest that thou how Faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. And in verse 24, he also said, Ye see then how by works a man is justified, not by faith only. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. Hallelujah. And my last little thought tonight. I know, I'm sorry if you think I've just been kind of dead and dried up tonight. But I really feel what I'm talking to you tonight. But you know, in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual weakness, wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with the truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith. You hear that? 
You know, there's a reason. There's a reason that the shield is called faith. Faith is what's going to protect you. Faith is what's going to keep you. Faith is what's going to stop all those fiery darts Satan shoot your way. Once you start putting your faith down and you start letting your faith waver, all of a sudden you seem to be more open to what the devil is trying to send your way. But all of a sudden he says, put on that, that whole armor of God. That includes the faith. Not just the helmet of salvation. Not just the sword of the spirit. Which is the word of God. We've got all that. But we've got to keep faith. We've got to push faith. We've got to go on faith. We can't, we can't live without faith. Hallelujah. Praise God. Above everything else. In the armor of God. Take up the shield of faith. Hallelujah. All the other stuff is necessity. But you need the shield of faith. It's one of them things that you can lay down. You know, you don't, you don't wear a shield everywhere you go. Sometimes you put it down. And in this old battle, you can't put that shield down. No, sir, you can't put that shield down because you must have faith. If you don't have faith, you're not going to make it. But I believe this is a faith church. This is a faith church. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. The Apostle Paul said, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. And as I already said, we're not ignorant of his devices. His devices... The main, the main string of his devices, distractions. Let's not, let's not get blindsided by the devil. What do you say? I'm about finished. But I just came tonight. And I know I wasn't all fired up and I wasn't all bouncing off the walls, but God wanted to encourage somebody tonight. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. Hold that shield of faith up high. We, we can't live. We can't live. We can't, we can't live without that shield of faith. We've got to press on. And you know also, it just came to my mind, and I was going to read it to you out of the Word of God. It says in in uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, I'm going to start with verse 23. It said, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. God. For he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another. Don't look around and say, look, so-and-so is having a hard time. I don't think I want to talk to them right now. Tell you what, that's the time you need to go talk to them. Because in verse 24 here it says, let us consider one another to provoke. A lot of people could put a period right there. No, 
The Bible, he didn't stop there. He didn't say, let us consider one another to, to provoke each other. No. He said, let's provoke one another unto love and the good works. Not unto hate and, and, and uh, arguing and all that crazy stuff. He said, provoke one another to love and to good works. And he goes on to say, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. I'm telling you, church, the day of the Lord is not hand. We don't have much longer to put dilly-dally around. Friend, you're here without the Holy Ghost. We don't have much longer to dilly-dally around. The signs of the times are all around us. In fact, I was looking at this right before I came in to the sanctuary a while ago. On our uh, preacher's forum, I was on there and they uh, showed the picture that that painter painted of our, our president on his 100th day anniversary. Uh, how many of y'all seen it? It's, it's something else. They've got him with a crown of thorns on his head. And they've got his arms outstretched, just like Jesus did on Calvary. It just blows my mind how people just don't understand how close we are to the end of the end of eternity, the end of time. Eternity is nigh at hand, friends. We don't have time to play around. These little problems that we have, these big problems that we think we have. You put them next to eternity, <laughs> they don't even compare. You put them next to eternity, I don't even think they're even a little bitty old dot. Hey, I beg you. I beseech you. You don't have the Holy Ghost tonight, you can get it. All you've got to do is repent of your sins. Tell Jesus that you're sorry for everything you've done. And mean it. And turn around and walk the other way. And never to return to those old sins. And then you're going to be baptized. Immersed in water in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Going down in a watery grave to join Christ in his death. And his burial. And on, in, on his resurrection you're going to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And you may say, preacher, how do you know you got the Holy Ghost? You say, you know it by the evidence of the speaking in tongues. Hallelujah. So, we don't have much time, church. I'm challenging each and every one of us, myself included. It's time we get out there in the streets, and it's time we compel them to come here. We've got an atmosphere in which God can do the can do the work. But it's up to us to do our work. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Praise God. Hallelujah. I know this is kind of awkward. I'm, I keep apologizing, but I, I really don't apologize. I do wish our pastor was here. I really do. I miss it when he's out of town. But uh, thank each and every one of you for coming tonight. I told you we're going to get out early. It's only 8.30. So once in a lifetime ain't too bad. Hopefully I said something tonight that somebody can use because I didn't I didn't come to this church just to get up here because God knows I I can't do anything without it. But uh, if we can all stand tonight, let's lift our hands and ask God to apply what He's what He said to us tonight. Oh, we love you tonight. sister said that her granddaughter's going to a school that has been, some of the kids have been diagnosed with swine flu, and she wants to anoint a cloth, so if we could all lift our voice and we'll pray for this cloth, she can take care of Thank you for your faithfulness to the house of God. And uh, let's not forget Sunday morning, Sunday night. Also, I know we're probably going to have to have some folks stick around and help us clean up a little bit, catch up for Sunday service, so we don't have to rush in here Sunday morning and try to finish up. We could have have somebody, several stay. The more that stay, the pastor says, the more that stay, the quicker it gets done. So. Anyhow, God bless you and you're dismissed in the name of Jesus.